This is an ICGC Cornerstone podcast. At Cornerstone, we believe in the power of the Word of God to transform lives and empower people to influence their generation. And now, time for the message. I will teach briefly on what has been titled the power of the of the sower, which is what we know popularly. Uh, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 4 to 8. Matthew chapter 13, verse 4 to 8. In the book of Matthew 13, Jesus gives a series of parables. Uh, and he starts with the parable of the sower. And I believe that the lessons from the parable will be a great blessing to us today. Matthew 13, verse 4 to 8. It says... And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on, on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun w- was up, they were scorched, and because they had no roots, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Verse 8. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, this is a very interesting parable that we are exposed to. Jesus is teaching an important spiritual principle. When you read the Bible very carefully, Jesus, anytime he wants to teach a spiritual principle, he will use a natural principle to explain a spiritual principle. Now, the, a spiritual principle is abstract. It's something that you cannot really get. So he has to connect it to something you understand to explain something you don't understand. And so in the days of Jesus, they were farmers. And so he's using an agrarian principle here to explain something about God's word. And so in the days of Jesus, they lived in, in a part of Palestine. And normally they had family-owned lands. And so normally, if they are going to plant uh, or going to farm every year, they would have to plow the land. And when they decide to sow their seed, they did not use our approach that we use today. Uh, If you studied uh, JHS or some SHS agriculture, uh, you have learned about the broadcasting method. And with the broadcasting method, what happens is... Oh, you didn't do... All right. (laughs) With the broadcasting method, what happens... Don't forget all your... What that you are taught in school. I'm even applying it in my preaching. Uh, So don't forget it. It will will take you far. Uh, And so with the broadcasting method, what happens is that they'll pick the seed and, you know, they just throw the seed. There there is no um, determination on where it should fall. They just throw the seed, they scatter the seed, and hopefully it falls um, in in good places. So normally what will happen is that the the farmer will, will pick the seed and throw the seed. But the seed fell on different portions, different aspects of the soil. There's an aspect of the soil that they had used to create a walkway. And so that's what Jesus described as the wayside. It was a bit more hardened because they had walked over over time. And so the soil is not as loose um, as we have. So the seed may not have much contact with the depth of the earth as well. And so and there were aspects where um, 
where you could find some stony places on, 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 the, on different parts of the field where the seed will fall on. And there were aspects as well uh, where you have, you know, weeds that were germinating and the weeds had thorns in them. And so the seed will also fall in those places and, and, and then you had the, the fertile soil as well. And so based on where the seed fell on uh, determined how it would grow, how it would sprout um, as well. And so we see, particularly from this scripture, that you know, God's word mimics how the seeds fall as well. God's word mimics how the seeds fall. And so Jesus is using the understanding of how we receive God's word to explain how the farmer also sows as well. Sows as well. And there are four important factors I want to draw your attention to as we proceed in this text this morning. Four important factors about what, determine, what affects how we receive our receptivity. Four things that affect how we receive. Number one is exposure. 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 Exposure talks about what affects you. What are you exposed to? What you are exposed to in life will determine how well you receive what you hear. Exposure is very important as well. How well you see. So, for example, if you notice this morning, um, Samantha is ministering in song, and she's ministering in different languages this morning. And so if you are not exposed to the French language or the Spanish language, although she's singing about God, you will not understand what you're hearing. Exposure is very important because exposure helps you to, to discern or to know or to understand what you are hearing. But exposure can also affect what you hear because if, if you're exposed to that which is negative, then it, be, it becomes very difficult to receive what God is telling you as well. So, for example, if you are exposed to the understanding that God is not a loving God, is not a faithful God, God doesn't care about what we go through, then when you even hear about the love of God, you will not receive that word. Exposure is very important. So you have to be very careful what you're exposed to, exposure. Number two is experience. Experience talks about what you go through, what you go through. What you go through can significantly affect what you receive, what you hear, how you receive what you receive. What you go through is very, very important. You know, yesterday, occasionally, you know, I, go, I go on Facebook and I just watch random videos. I'm that kind of person, you know. Just like to watch random videos to see, you know, what, you know, what are people doing online? You know, so there's this guy who's interviewing this lady. Or this, no, he's interviewing that guy. He interviews several people. And, you know, so he's asking the guy that, you know, what, what, why, um, um, which, which lady have you dated before? And, 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 and what lesson did you learn from, uh, what's the greatest heartbreak you've have, ever had? Uh, and so the guy is explaining the heartbreak of this lady that he was dating. And he sent her some money uh, for, she said the phone has to spot, sent her some money. Uh, he said the, the, the phone is broken, sent her some money. He said that she doesn't have food, sent her some money. And he's been hoping to see the girl. Uh, <laughs> and she never showed up. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think, and then she, she tells that she has a boyfriend, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, so they kind of have to talk again. And he was so angry 
because he has sent all this money uh, and all that. And then he said, falling in love, he will never fall in love again. He will never fall in love. He doesn't even know why people marry. Why do people marry? What is marriage? Marriage is a lie. And so you could see that the guy was so angry. Why is he angry? He's angry because of what he has experienced. He's gone through something and he has come to the conclusion that love is not worth it. And so what we experience in life is very important. So even if some lady comes and she's showing him genuine love, he cannot receive it. Why can't he not receive it? Because of what some other lady did to him as well. Our experience affects how well we receive God's word. There are people who have been hurt in church. There are people who have been hurt by pastors. That when they they even come to church, they can't receive the word of God. Yeah, people go through that. There are people who have been hurt significantly. And so when it comes to receiving God's word, it's, ah, it's, not, it's all a lie. Oh, all this is not true. Yeah, just wasting our time here. So just finish and let us go out of here. Because they've gone through an experience before. They, they were trusting. Their hearts were open. Something, they went through something horrific. And it affects what they receive. Our experience are very important in how we receive as well. Number three is our expectation. Our expectation is what you hope to achieve. What you hope to achieve affects your receptivity, I respect how you receive God's word. Because if you hope to achieve much, if you trust that God is going to do great things, then when you go to God's word, or when you read God's word, or when you hear about God's word, you are open, you are able to latch on to what you hear because you expect that there is something that's going to happen. But if you, if you don't expect much, then when God's word is being spoken, you will not open up to receive it. Expectation is also very important as well. And the fourth thing is what I call exchange. Exchange is what you let go. Exchange, the fourth thing. What you let go. In order to receive and to receive right, there must be something you are willing to let go so that your heart becomes a good ground and a fertile soil to receive what God has for you. All right? Exposure, experience, expectation, and exchange. Now, let's look at how Jesus explains this parable. Jesus gives a parable about the sower. But he, after, after giving the parable, he doesn't explain much about the parable. So the disciples go back to him and say, you know, Master, you said this parable. We don't really understand what you're trying to say. And so Jesus decides to break down the parable for them. In verse 18 to 23 of Matthew 13, verses 18 to 23, it says, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares for this world and the cares for this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some Thirty. Now, Jesus is explaining the parable to his hearers, his disciples. 
And he, he tells them about how different soil receive the seed. And then he begins to explain what the different soil, the agricultural term he used, he begins to explain what it means in our day-to-day -day life and experience as well. One of the things that you see for Jesus is that, that, that you know, the sower is sowing, and the sower is, is, is just sowing. It's not, it's not specific about how he's sowing, right? He's just throwing the seed. Now, and, and you see from Jesus' analogy that, that the challenge about growth and development of the seed is not the seed. There's no problem with the seed. The seed is good. The challenge is the soil that the seed falls on. And based on the soil that the seed falls on, determines whether it will germinate or it will die. And so Jesus uses that analogy to explain God's word as seed. And the soil as representing our hearts. So the seed is being sown, but based on the kind of heart that you have, determines whether the word will be fruitful for you, whether it will be profitable or unprofitable for you as well. And so Jesus is saying that there is no problem with the seed. The challenge is with the soil. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what kind of soil are we? What kind of hearts do we have when we receive and we hear God's word? Because many times people are, everybody's hearing God's word. But different people are manifesting God's word differently based on the kind of heart that we have. And there are four different kinds of soil that Jesus explains that represents four different kinds of hearts in the scripture that we just read shortly. The first one is we see that Jesus says, he says in verse 19, that when anyone hears the word of, of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. That is the wayside soil. The person who hears the word but does not understand it. The word of God cannot be profitable to you if you don't understand it. If you don't understand this. And so the, the, the wayside soil rep represents the person who lacks understanding. Understanding. This is the person whose mind is closed when they are hearing God's word. The person who lacks understanding, they hear God's word, but their mind is closed. They are so prejudiced in their mind that they are not able to receive the word of God. They say, oh, oh it doesn't mean, uh, what is he saying? Oh, it doesn't mean anything. Oh. This thing, ah, oh, we've heard it, all these things. Oh, it doesn't make sense, all these things. Charlie, we want common sense, common sense. We want common sense. <laughs> it doesn't, it, we want common sense. We want, what, I mean, what is all these things? Yeah. That, the closed-minded person will never receive the word of God. When your mind is very closed, and that's why I, I, I talk about experience, what you go through. When your mind is very, very closed, based on an experience or an exposure or an expectation that you've had. If you are not careful and it's a negative one, it will be very difficult to receive God's word. That is where God's word is coming about, God's love and God's faithfulness. And say, so what is God's love? When I was going through this thing, did God love me? When I was going through this, was God there for me? What do you mean by God's love? Don't, don't mention God's love yet. I don't hear anything about God's love. Because sometimes you go through things and... When, and when you, if you are not careful and you don't, are not able to check your heart, and you are not constantly auditing what you receive, you realize that over time, God's word has been coming, but you are not receiving it. 
Because over time, your, your heart, the soil has been left unattended to. And so many things has happened that good word is coming. You read God's word in, in your morning devotion. You, God, God's word is speaking to you through different things, but you are unable to receive it because of what you've been through. Because of what you've been through. So, so, so you ha we have to be careful as well. That's what the wayside means. He says that it is sown. It is sown. But it has no effect. The seed is sown. But the enemy comes to steal it away from it. The devil snatches it quickly. The devil loves it when you don't understand. The devil loves it when you are prejudiced against God's word. Because he knows that it gives him the opportunity to snatch what you are hearing. To snatch what you are hearing. To pump in your mind that, ah, look at you. How can God love you? Look at you. You've served God. You've honored God. And, and then they sack you from the job. Meanwhile, this person is not even a Christian and, and they promoted the person. How can you say, how, how does it show that God loves you? The devil is able to do that very quickly. And he will never remind you about a breakthrough that God opened up for you. He will only remind you about a negative experience you are going through. That is the speciality of the devil. And the moment he can get your mind to settle on that, the word of God will not be profitable for you. And once that word is not profitable, you've heard it, but he will come and steal it from your heart. That is what gives him the opportunity to snatch God's word out of your heart. When he begins to distort, he steals it by distorting what you hear. Distorting what you hear. By misconception, by suspicion, he steals it easily. That's how he will steal it. Very interestingly. And, and for many today, God's word has been stolen from our hearts. He steals it through all these kinds of machination. Things like, ah, all the pastors are the same. Ah, look at them, all of them. Yeah, they all say, oh, they're all the same. It's all, they're all lying. They're all lying. Look, they're all the same. Of course, they are terrible pastors. I agree. It's like me saying that one doctor treated me wrongly, and I say, all doctors are the same. They're all the same. All the doctors in the world in Ghana are liars. I can't say that. Yes. Maybe you went to Kolebo, somebody <laughs> took you to an ex a, horrible, a horrible experience. That does not mean that all the doctors are the same. But the enemy is able to use misconception, suspicion, because when he sows that in your heart, he can guarantee that you can go to church, you can have your morning devotion, you can do all you want, provided it doesn't work for you. The goal is not about hearing. The goal is about germination. The enemy wants to ensure that what you hear and what you receive does not become profitable. Because if it becomes profitable, it will work in your life. He doesn't want it to work in your life. So everything that it will take, he will wish to pull it down. And so we have to be aware of the kind of soil that our heart is. Then he explains about also the second soil is the stony places. Look at what he says about the stony places. It says in verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who he received the word, here's the word, but immediately received it with joy. But he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Very interesting. Jesus said that this is the person who hears the word. Right? And they, they, they react. There's an emotional reaction. They scream, they shout, oh, yes, it's my word. I receive it. There's an emotional reaction. But you cannot exchange an emotional reaction as spiritual depth. 
Emotional reaction is not spiritual death. Come on, preach on. Yes, that is good. To be, to be excited about it, that is great. But the excitement does not qualify for spiritual death. Jesus says that we must not confuse an emotional response with a spiritual understanding. That the relevance of this, for this kind of person, the word of God becomes relevant when it is tied to their emotional state. And these are fair-weathered Christians. They enthusiastically receive the word. They begin to grow. But they realize that but the growth does not last. Why does the growth not last? The Bible says that the word is tested. What they receive is tested. When you receive a word, it will be tested. And when you only receive it based on an emotional reaction, when it is tested, you will not stand the test of time. When, when the word is received and all you are concerned about is about how the word makes you feel. If it makes you feel happy, then you are happy. If you're not happy, then it doesn't matter to you. No, you don't receive the word only based on just purely an emotional reaction. You can't just use emotions to explain death in the word of God because what you receive will be tested. When God speaks a word, it will be tested. The Bible says that tribulation arose for the word's sake. When God tells you a word, it will be tested. God spoke to Abraham and said, I've called you. To be a father of many nations. And that word that Abraham received a calling to be a father of many nations, that word was tested. Every word that you receive, in this day you've been receiving word, and that word you receive will be tested. And many times, when it's only based on an emotional reaction, when people go through difficulty, they say God has abandoned them. That is when you realize that this is just based on an emotional reaction. Where when you don't feel good, you feel like God has forsaken you. Where you explain your emotions as the absence or the presence of God. When God says, I will never leave you for, or forsake you. When you feel like as if you are alone, you feel like God has forsaken you. So we exchange an emotional reaction for receiving God's word. That must not be how you, be, how you conduct your life. When you receive every word of God that we receive, my friends, will be tested. Will be tested. God's word in your life will be tested. And I've always said this, that where did we get this Christianity of, Father, this Father Christmas Christianity? Where everything, we think that everything will always be rosy, it will be nice, it will be awesome. It's a, yes, it will be great, but there will be moments of difficulty. And when you receive the word, that word you receive will be tested. Many times, you know, you come out of the conference like Greater Works, there's an amazing word that has come. That word you receive will be tested. The question is, will you stand the test of time? But when it's based on only emotions, when you don't feel good, you abandon the word. Because it's based on only emotions. It's based on only how the word makes you feel. If it doesn't make me feel nice, then we abandon it. And many times when people say things like, you know, God is not with me, God has forsaken me, God has left me, I understand it to one point in time because they're expressing an emotion at some point in time. But if they remain if they continue in that confession, then there's something wrong. Because the God you said has abandoned you was the same God who rescued you. So at what point in time did he abandon you? I understand that what you're feeling is, 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 is deep and is affecting, but if you continue in that confession, then it makes me know that, oh, then you only want a word that makes you feel good. You only want a feel-good experience. You only want a preaching that excites you and makes you happy. 
And when the preacher doesn't make you happy, then you, then you, then you say, well, I'm looking for somebody that will make you happy. And so people love it, you shall scream, whoa, you shall make it. Then when, you know, we are running up and down in the church, you sweat, and then the service is over, and that's it. So for you, preaching becomes entertainment. We are there to be entertained. And the moment there is, you don't feel the high of the preaching, you abandon the message. But the word will be tested. It is called discipleship. It will be tested. It will be tested. And Jesus says that those who are where the soil falls on stony ground are not able to continue and hold on to the word. Emotional zeal will not carry you to trials. Don't forget that. Emotional zeal will not carry you to trials. It will never sustain you. We cannot live our lives on emotions alone in our work with faith. If we live on just emotions, just based on how you feel, you may not endure to the end. You may not endure to the end. You may not be able to hold on to God's word to the end. Emotional zeal is not enough, my friends. There are times that you don't feel it, my friends. At times you don't feel it. At times you feel down. I mean, if, can you imagine if I was to preach based on how I felt? Because I, I, I just feel like, oh, the pastor is always in heaven. <laughs> but it's not just, I mean, can you imagine if you came to church only based on how you felt? You probably would come to church maybe 12 times the whole year. But it's not about emotional zeal. When the word of God comes, sometimes it will be difficult, it will be tough, but you decide to hold on to God's word. But those who are on, that is why, my friends, you have to ensure that you are grounded in the word of God. Be grounded in the word of God. This thing about Christianity and receiving the, and the word of God, it's not fun and games, though. It's not fun and games. It's not fun and games. It is serious business. The word you receive will be tested. It will be tested. Our guarantee is that when we are grounded in the word of God, at the end, what we receive will germinate. But when your heart is a stony heart, then when you receive it and you feel good, you are happy about it, you are talking about it, once something tests that word, you abandon it. You abandon it. But may our hearts not be stony soils. May it not be stony soil. The third kind of soil that we see is the thorny soil. The thorny soil. The thorny soil. We see that in verse 22 of Matthew 13. It says, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. They receive the word. The word comes, but the cares of this world is too, is too, is too, is too, is too much. They receive the world, the, the word, but now nah, they are concerned too much about the world. They are concerned for this world overrides their desire for spiritual growth. Their concerns overrides their desire for spiritual growth. They receive the world, the word, but there's too much. I mean, I mean, because when you receive the word, there's what the word begins to work in your life. The word will cause you to separate from anything that will kill it. But when you are too concerned, about this life and about the riches and about this. Make, all you want to do is to make money. All you want is just to enjoy and to chill. That is all you're concerned about. You will not allow God's word to germinate in your life. 
You will not give it space and room in your life. You will not give it space and room in your life. God's word becomes crowded out of your life as well. The word. So my friends, in this Christian walk, when, God's, when you receive God's word, you have to determine that you are going to allow yourself not to be concerned by the cares of this world. Not because, because there will always be a trade-off. There will always be a trade-off, my friends. There will always be a trade-off. They are so concerned about this world that they, the Bible said they abandoned the word. They left what they heard. They left what they heard. God says, I will take care of you. They, they, and, and, and God says, I will take care of you. I will provide for your every need. But they left that word and, and, and pursued all the things that will make them compromise just because they want to make money. Just because they want to prosper. Just because they want to increase. You compromise everything. Any blessing that you receive by compromise is never endorsed by God. It's never endorsed by God. You have to understand it. Any blessing... God is too faithful to need you to compromise. He is God all by himself. Any blessing you receive that requires that you compromise, whether you come and testify about it in church, whether you come and sing a, a hallelujah song about it in church, whether you come and give an offering about it in church, if you compromise to get it, it is not from God. It is not from God. God is capable by himself. He says in his word that I wish above all things that you prosper, even as what? Your soul prospers. So the prosperity of your life must not compromise the prosperity of your soul. Your soul prospers. The cares of this world. Receive the word, but the cares of this world. God says that I will be, I will be your God. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18, I will be your God and you shall be my people. Then it says in, in, verse, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that, that having these promises that he will be your God and shall be his people, he says that having these promises, let, let us forsake the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. God said that he wants to be your God, but we must live holy. We can't receive his word, abandon his word, and go and compromise our values, compromise our principles. No, no, no. If he is your God and you've received his word, you must live according to his word. His values must be your values. His values must be your values. And it's very important. You know, I remember I was teaching one of my students, because uh, I, I teach uh, Christian ethics in a university, and I was teaching one of my students. And, you know, she, 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 after teaching her, she came to me, uh, and she said, you know, so say, you know, um, but, you know, yeah, I've heard you about values and principles, on, on, uh, as, uh, you know, and, and, and how you must not compromise, particularly with your ethics uh, and all of that. And, uh, and then she said, you know, but, you know, said, I have this story. I mean, what you are saying is, I understand it, but it, this might be an outlier. I have this story, you know, because there's this guy, you know, he didn't, he didn't uh, um, love God. I mean, and he was trying to date me. I didn't mind him. Uh, and, you know, he tried. I didn't mind him. I started minding him bits and, bits and pieces. And, you know, just after... I, we slept together. Uh, just a few months later, he, be he became serious with God. Uh, and uh, he started coming to church. Uh, and uh, so <laughs> I looked at him and I said, are you sure he started coming to church because he slept with you? 
He said, no, but you know, after that, you know, we, he went some crusade somewhere, uh, and then he got born again. Said, but so, so he got born again. That's why he said he come to church, not because he slept with you. And I said, I said where is he now? He said, uh, we, are, we are not together anymore, but, you know, um, so she was trying to justify the fact that she is the one that brought him to the Lord. But nobody can bring somebody to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that brings people to Christ. Nobody can bring somebody to Christ. So she was trying to justify that. If I compromise to, to bring him to the faith, then I haven't done anything wrong because the end should justify the means. And I said that in Christian ethics, the end does not justify the means. The, the means is as important as the end. Because God doesn't just judge action, he judges motive. That is why God said that even if you look at a woman to lust after her, it means you've already committed adultery. He said, but I won't celebrate that you've already committed adultery. As simple as that. Because if you look at somebody and you hate the person, you've already committed murder. Even if you've not killed the person physically, you've killed them in your heart already. And so, and so he said that those who receive the word of God, they allow the deceitfulness of riches and everything that happens in this world. They, they abandon the word and pursue riches. Pursue the cares of this world. Pursue life. Pursue life. I asked myself yesterday, so I was I just thinking about this, and I asked myself, what is the goal of all that we are pursuing? It's great. God will bless us, and may God bless you abundantly. But may it not be at the point of compromise. What is the goal of everything? What is the goal of everything? Thank God we can pay school fees. Thank God we can have a roof over our head. Thank God that we can buy some clothes and, and get something to eat. Thank God for all these things. But what, at the end of the day, what is the goal? If we miss eternity with God, what is the goal? If we miss eternity with our Father, what is the goal at the end of the day? Have you asked yourself that question, my friends? What is the goal? What is the goal? Somebody said that time is short. Eternity is long. It is only reasonable that this short life be lived in light of eternity. What is the end goal as well? Don't abandon the word that you receive because of the cares of this world. When God speaks to you, don't abandon it. Don't let it go. Trust that God's word is more than faithful. And that God does not need you to compromise to allow his word to be fulfilled in your life. God does not need you to sell yourself short to allow his word to be received in your life. God does not need you to compromise. Remember that, my friends. And the final soil that Jesus talks about in verse 23, he says, But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And may that be our portion in the name of Jesus. May God make our hearts a fruitful ground as well. May God make our heart good soil as well. The good soil is the heart that is ready to receive the word. It represents those who are open to receive God's word. Those who have the capacity to nurture in their heart what God tells them as well. These are people who keep the word in spite of the opposition they face. These are people who have learned to live a disciplined life. These are people who when they hear the word, the word prospers in their life. May God's word prosper in your life as well. 
when you receive the word, may you bear fruit as well. These are people who have allowed the word of God to change their character. To transform them. Because the word, the word has transformative power. And you must allow the word of God to transform you. To change your character. To work on your heart. To work on your heart. Like the soil, your heart is capable of improvement. Like the soil. You can, you can, you, you can be an, an angry person, a bitter person. But as the word of God is sown in your heart, God begins to soften your heart. God begins to work on your heart. God begins to teach you to love again. God begins to teach you to respect again. God begins to teach you to honor again. That is God's word. That is the power. The power of God's word is that you may come one way, but you can live differently. You may come one, one service and you can live differently. You may, you may approach God's word in, in, in your morning devotion or in Bible study and it will work on you. You can, you can be the most angry person, the most hateful person, and God's word can work on you and you can become the most loving person. You, may, you, you can go through a terrible experience where somebody has done something to you like, like the guy who's angry and believes that marriage is a fluke. And God can work on your heart and you can, become, and you can go into a marriage and be the most loving person ever. God's word has the power to work on your heart. You can be the most lustful person ever. And God's word can work on you and you can become the most sober person ever. Allow God's word to work on your character. Allow it to work on you. We are all constantly improving. We are all constantly trying to get better. We have not gotten to where we want to get to. Allow God's word. Don't let anything steal God's word from your heart. Don't let anything. Have you noticed? Every time you, you decide to have your Bible study, you decide to get serious with your relationship with God, that's when you are, you are receiving a WhatsApp message. Pa, pa, pa. Hey, you say, hey, I have to do something. Hey. And for you know, the whole Bible study is just yama, yama. You've, you've read the Bible, you don't even understand what you've read. You just went through it re religiously. That is not what you want. Have you noticed as you are in church and then that's when you are receiving all the calls? Or the, that's what no one, when you're in church, just put that phone off. Put it on airplane mode. Out of reverence for God. Out of reverence. What are you chasing now? Ah? What are you chasing? What are you chasing now? Ah? That you can't sit down for 45 minutes, and this is not even a church that will preach for 20 hours. You can guarantee that the papa we are closed. What are you chasing? That you can't put this phone down. What are you chasing? The thing that has become a blessing to you has now become a burden to you. What are you chasing? What are you chasing? What are you chasing that you can't even wake up in the morning and give time for Bible study? What contract are you chasing? What are you chasing? That you can't wake up and say, I'm just going to have this 10 minutes of morning devotion. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to read God's word. Or I'll go online and listen to Word to Go by Dr. Otterbell. I'm just going to just pay attention and then pray on what, he, what has been taught that morning. Or read a devotion. What are you chasing that you can't even give 10 minutes? What are you chasing? God wants to work on you and I. He wants to make us fruitful grounds. He wants to make us better. So that even, no matter what we have been through, there's some of you, 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 you have very bad examples of marriage. But when you marry, you can be the most loving person ever. You can be. It is when you allow God to work on you. When you allow God to work on you. Some of you have had very terrible experiences, but if you allow God to plow the soil of your heart, and let his word be sown in the depths of your heart. 
you will look back and say, wow, I can't even believe. And some of you, you can testify to it. Some of you will, be, I mean, some of you, if somebody does anything to you, they, they, what you will do to the person immediately. But over time, have you noticed that your reaction has become very slow? You become more sober in what you do. Because you've allowed God's word to work on your heart. Allow God's word to work on your heart. Receive God's word. Let it work on. Let this not just be a religious experience that we go through or a ritual that we go through. But may... Thank you for listening to the message. God bless you.